the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one Incidentally, it's going to be a colorful press conference we would imagine the premier and the finance minister will step up to the microphones around 8 30 this morning we will monitor that press conference because Ostensibly, it is to discuss the upcoming economic statement, but it's going to be one of those affairs where the reporters are standing there drumming their fingers on their pads and tapping their toes and going, all right, let's get to questions, let's get to questions, let's get let's get to the roundtable. On the roundtable today, Scott Reed is here, CTV political commentator. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Jerry Agar from The Jerry Agar Show. And, of course, what everybody's going to want to talk about is the Ford administration accused of handing out MZO's ministerial orders to people who attended one of Doug Ford's daughter's wedding. Um, Jerry Agar, I'll start with you. It just this, it's not even drip, drip, drip. It just continues. It's a steady stream. Yeah, and I still maintain that uh, largely people don't care. People want housing. That's what people want. And at every move, it's uh, no, 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 no. So, uh, okay, be happy paying high prices for housing. Scott Reed, the Auditor General's report said we have enough land to build the housing. So it's not really about building housing, and it is about a government in distress. And, you know, the same people saying keep moving are the people who couldn't shut up about the gas plants. More than one thing can be true at the same time. Jerry's entirely right. People think, okay, well, the government's about trying to get it done. They're about trying to build housing. Okay, but maybe I think that's a good thing. But if the accumulation of evidence also shows that the Ford government permitted a process on MZOs, on the Green Belt, on anything else that had to do with nailing one two by four into another in order to make money, that it said, you know what, whatever you want, friends, family, insiders, come to the wedding, take away the pair of scented uh, candles and the wedding program. And by the way, here's a parcel of land you can also flip for millions, maybe billions of dollars. When people become convinced that that's the operating uh, uh, thesis of this government, then that will start to kick off words like cronyism and corruption, and they will stick to you. And next, we're going to see Calandra cancel all these MCDOs, and then you're going to get a bunch of lawsuits, and then there's going to be stuff around Ontario Place. And then we're going to see them try to reverse that. It's going to go on and on and on. And I think that the government's facing this for not just weeks, but for months. And um, and fundamentally, it all washes up on Doug Ford's shore because it's about culture. Did you create a culture where you said to people, cut corners, do what it takes? And by the way, if some of our pals make some money on it, that's no problem. Deb Hutton, I have asked directly to Marit Stiles and Mike Schreiner, are you guys having too good a time with this? And they laughed it off. But I mean, this is manna from heaven for the opposition. Well, of course it is. And and to a certain extent, what goes around comes around regardless of government. This, though, is particularly uh, troubling. And I think the Minister of Housing has said exactly that. And I think the Premier has said exactly that. I do want to pick some uh, apart something you said, John, which is that there's more than enough land to build housing. Keep in mind, we have very large and relatively new immigration targets. And so I disagree, and I think the Premier disagrees with the premise that we have enough land currently, particularly where people want to live. So the unfortunate part of all of this for me is I actually supported changes to the Greenbelt. I support MZOs. I support changes to municipal boundaries. But because the process was clearly flawed, as acknowledged by the new Minister of Housing and the Premier, 
we're going to lose those tools in our toolbox to build housing. And I think that is the problem, uh, not just you know the basic and obvious problem, but I think that is the long-term problem that you're not going to have these tools and you do need them. And what some people are interpreting as a warning shot across the bow, Doug Ford has fired a board member from Metrolinx, and it would seem it has a lot to do with the fact that she wrote a column that was somewhat critical. Uh, Scott Reed, I mean, I guess a party leader has the right to enforce discipline. Listen, I, I and we're talking about Janet Ecker, who's a former finance minister and member of the legislature. I know Janet. I've worked with her on a bunch of files. She's a terrific person. But I got to tell you, in all honesty, and people will probably say, yeah, listen, he's just captive of the political process like all these guys, regardless of party stripe. But if you're going to be a board member appointed at the pleasure of the premier to a major provincial agency and you're going to wade in to the political scandal of the day and rain down on top of the premier, don't be surprised when they say, hey, listen. That job is no longer yours. And yes, it does send a signal to others that in, you know, uh, insider fire in, is not welcome. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, I'm not sure I have a lot of quarrel with it, and I'm certainly not surprised by it. Yeah, Jerry Agar, you know, some people are paid for their opinions. Other people probably should keep their fingers out of it, especially if their job could be on the line. Okay, but uh, how's it any different for us, John? You and I can go down the hall and uh, complain as loudly as we want about some policy that the radio station management has instituted, and we're fine. But if we decided to go on the air and make a big deal about it, make it public, we might have a problem. It, it works that way in any organization. To a certain degree, it works that way in families. Like, for God's sake, do you have to, you know, that, do you have to air the family dirty laundry sort of thing? That's just life in a political party, I think. Let's move on to two stories I've kind of been cementing together today, but we'll start with just Canadian attitudes about immigration. Deb, I'll start with you. Uh, you mentioned the fact that there are so many newcomers coming to Canada, and now a lot of Canadians are starting to raise the alarm over the numbers. Yeah, and I think, as I just said a few moments ago, housing is probably the catalyst for that. I think uh, we have a number of problems with our immigration system. We also have a need for immigrants in so many uh, labor sectors. And so the federal government has to get this right. Student visas are out of control, and that's a housing issue. Allowing immigrants to come only to areas that they want to come to is an issue, i.e. the GTA, Montreal, Vancouver. And I also think here in Toronto in particular, uh, last, uh, I guess it was just this past summer, we saw so many refugees sitting on the street for days, which was disgusting. And I think many Canadians confuse refugees with immigrants. And so I think you put all that together, you look at the cost of housing and people say, hang on, we can barely afford the folks we have here. And I think that's what's changed attitudes, unfortunately. Jerry, it's such a freighted debate, though. That's the problem. Whenever somebody starts talking about numbers, people say, oh, you just don't like newcomers. Well, um, some people don't like newcomers, and the situation that exists right now gives them uh, the opportunity to say, well, I don't really hate immigrants, however. Uh, so, I mean, I hear from those people, and I can tell they hate immigrants. Other people are making the reasonable argument that, as Deb just mentioned, you can't bring in great numbers of people and then just send them to one or two locations. We've got to figure out either we've got to stop bringing immigrants in uh, entirely for a little while, or we've got to say, 
say to immigrants, we will allow you to move here as an economic advantage for you and us at the same time if you're willing to go work at the Maple Leaf Meat Plant in Brandon, Manitoba, or um, we've got a place for you in North Bay or something like that. And for the first certain number of years that you were here, you're going to have to be there. Sometime down the road, you can, like anybody else, I guess, move wherever you want. But I think if we did that, a certain number of people would put down roots. Their kids would be in school. They'd be involved in activities. They'd get friends. And they'd stay in those communities. It has to be spread more evenly, I believe. Scott Reed, one of the complicating factors is a lot of people don't differentiate between refugees and immigrants. Um, but, you know, we have a very serious refugee problem. When I was doing my homelessness research last year, I met a woman who scraped together her life savings, uh, flew in from Africa and came to Toronto with absolutely no plan. And, you know, here she was. Uh, yeah, they're very distinct things and they're motivated by different impulses. You increase immigration in order to build your country up because you're not having enough kids. So you're going to need people to pay for the future pensions of all of us who are talking today. And you're going to need to create new jobs and make certain that there's enough people to fill those jobs. Uh, refugee policy is guided by there are people in fear for their lives and in distress. And uh, we're in a better, we're in a position, better position than most to help. So let's, but the problem is the same fundamentally. The problem is whether it's, whether it's immigration or refugee uh, policy, it comes down to this. If you're going to jack the numbers significantly, then correspondingly, right? The finances and investments you make in settlement, employment, placement, and housing have to rise. And what happened in our case was those things were not properly funded and not fully funded and not adequately structured, by the way, with other levels of government before we started raising uh, immigration levels. And so the gap and the disconnect has only gotten wider and it's being felt particularly at housing. But if all of us weren't just worried about housing and we were paying attention to other things, we'd be worried about what we're witnessing on the streets, which is also another uh, indication of this. Mark Miller, the Minister of Immigration, is going to come out with a new uh, program and policy today, his annual statement. Let's see what he has to say about this. But if the government wants to fix this problem, it's either going to have to lower the target or it's going to have to boost all these settlement and integration program funding. Uh, you can't have one without the other, uh, or you're going to have trouble, and we've got trouble. Meanwhile, Canada turns up in an Israeli government document. The document recommends possible solutions for the problem in Gaza, and one of them is just move everybody into camps in Egypt and then hope that they are taken in by third-party countries. And then it says, well, Canada has a pretty loose immigration policy, so maybe Canada will take these people in. Jerry Yeager. Well, um, is this this isn't the policy of the Israeli government? This is some bureaucrat put together an idea. Isn't that how it works? That's that's what it seems to me. Somebody said, "Hey, anybody got any ideas?" Well, whenever you do that, especially if somebody says there's no bad ideas, then all kinds of ideas come forth. I would uh, be more concerned about it if all of a sudden the Israeli government says, "Yeah, actually, we think this is a good idea, and let's move on it." Yeah, but Deb Hutton, when things go up as a trial balloon, that's the time for people to speak out. It is. And we should be speaking out on this particular issue. I, this is obviously, a, a, they call it, the Israeli government's calling it a concept paper, ideas paper, policy options, we would say. And it's all designed to make sure that Israeli security is, is better than it was on October the 7th. So, you know, I, I don't know how legitimate it is. What I do think is unfortunate is that it has heightened tensions in the area as opposed to lessened them.
Okay, and Scott Reed, how frequently do ideas that are going to go nowhere turn up in government proposals? Uh, oh, constantly. Um, listen, uh, I wouldn't. I, I got two problems with this. One, um, it's not going to happen. And two, I really worry that it adds a bunch of hyperventilated fuel to a discussion that's already very raw here in Canada, I'm talking about, in, uh, given the situation in Israel, and that it might undermine uh, support for Israel. Uh, I mean, I just keep coming back to it. Hamas launched an unprompted breach of the ceasefire and murdered people in a terrorist attack. That's why we're here. One last silly story, really, but uh, Corey Mintz writing in the Globe and Mail that we should move Halloween to a more temperate day. So the recommendation is October 3rd. Deb Hutton, would your kids have settled for that? Well, no, it's my oldest daughter's birthday, so oh. absolutely not. I'm going to start a, a protest against this already. Uh, you know what? I, the snow, the cold, it's all part of the fun. Like, why tinker with something that's working well? Okay, and if we're going to move Halloween, then we should move the Grey Cup. But, uh, Scott Reed, you still have uh, at least one trick-or-treat-aged kid, don't you? Yeah, I sure do, and I'll be out there tonight in the cold. Listen, it's just it's the way the world works, man. It's out to screw me. That's how things work. Like, I've been doing this since 1998. That's how long I've had trick-or-treat-aged kids, okay? And now they want to change the date to a balmy early date in October? Forget it. If I endured it, those who come next will endure it. We'll call it there. Thank you all very much. Jerry Agar, Deb Hutton, and Scott Reed. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.